Staying ahead of the bad guys in cyberspace is among the biggest challenges organizations face. Eric Van Omeren is the director of innovation at Sajeti Vint Research Labs and has co-written a just-published book titled Staying Ahead in the Cybersecurity Game, What Matters Now. Welcome, Eric. Hey, thank you. The book starts off saying simply using fear as a tool to motivate people is going blunt very rapidly. What's meant by that? The fact that you can't scare people into action year after year. So the first year you can scare people and say you will be uh, hacked, your email will be stolen, people are going to steal your credit card. But if it doesn't happen and then the next year it doesn't happen and then the next year it doesn't happen, the third time you try to say people you need to change your behavior because otherwise all these scary things will happen, there's no response anymore. People grow very accustomed to the fear if, if they don't see it happening. It's, it's the same risk you have when you sell uh, fire insurance for your house. If you don't see a fire every now and then, it, it becomes less and less of a risk in your mind, even though the risk may be very real, very relevant, and very large. Um, if, if you're not personally exposed to it, fear is not a great motivator to repeat time and time again. Like the rest of us, you're, you're seeing and reading about all these breaches that are going on at Target and other places. Uh, are people be, are immune to that, or is that having some impact on people? I'm sure it has some impact on people, and I'm not sure it has enough impact to really change behavior. I think it increases the worry a little bit, but I don't think it changes behavior, especially when you look inside organizations. If you really want people to be much more aware, to be uh, uh, much more resistant to social engineering and things like that, I think you need a different approach. You need to have more of a positive mindset where people are proud to do things right and feel fine when everything is green and, and sort of get a, a non-financial reward simply by knowing that they've done what should be done or, or completed their security check or what, whatever you may put in place to uh, enhance security in your organization. When you're talking about the impact on people, if they're not having that fire or, or the major breach, are, are you talking about employees or are you talking about the CISOs, the chief executives, the board of directors? I'm sure the security officers are well aware of the risk, and I'm sure they are not dulled by not being uh, completely hacked and not being victim of a major hack. No, I'm really talking about the individual consumers or the individual employees, uh, the people that work in your organization and that need to sort of form your organic defense. If, if they don't experience it as an issue, it's very hard to drive it through. And that even goes for executive management or middle management and people who make lots of decisions also in technology these days. If they don't feel it as a, as a real risk, you lose your, your basically your, your standing as a security officer too. People are going to listen less to you. You know, it makes it sound that you could have all these great uh, awareness programs and it really doesn't mean much unless something happens. Yeah, maybe that's the case. Maybe you should have something happen. I mean, create something that happened that, uh, that, that, that they actually feel it, see it? There, there are many ways to do it. There's games. We've done games where people were challenged to uh, basically uh, expose security breaches or security risks inside the organization. You would reward people for that. Um, you can indeed play a scenario where you... Um, in a very controlled fashion, run an entire scenario as if you are hacked with a breach, with a hack, on how do you respond to that. Um, so, so yeah, you can do that. So, in other words, organizations should maybe look at a little different way of providing awareness uh, training in the sense of maybe when they're just surprising someone with something. Yeah, I, I think the main point is really you need to – so, scare is all, always a part of this. Fear is always a part of, of why we do this because it's the rationale behind what you're doing. But it needs to be a much broader picture so that it sticks and that people – 
uh, embedded in their everyday lives. And that even goes so far as to how you design your systems. Your system must persuade people into secure behavior. People must be automatically lured into the way that you want them to do things rather than um, make it very hard for them. So if you think uh, secured email is a good way to do it, make sure that all email is set up to automatically be secure and let it be no hassle. If you want single sign-on with a a three-factor authentication, make sure that's the easiest way you can provide it and don't make make it an extra step for all your users uh, to do things. Okay, in the book, uh, the questions raised probably aimed at the readers of the book. Can our people win the game? Well, define the game and how can they win? So uh, that was interesting. We started writing this book and we did a lot of interviews with uh, with uh, security officers and uh, CEOs and people who were uh, sort of the white hat hacking teams. And they were all describing security as a game. Cybersecurity... Uh, field. They say it's a race, it's a game, there's attackers and defenders, and especially when you get to the technical level of the, the real hackers and the real technical defense guys, they are the, the passionate geeks who love to find, they, you, you can be in awe of a good hack. You just want to be the one that finds it first and not your attacker. And that really makes it makes it a game. It's like an arms race or a game. We believe you can't win it. There's no final step where you say, okay, now we're done. We've made the final move, checkmate. Nobody else will ever be able to attack us. That's simply not the reality. I think the reality is is, uh, it's more the reverse where people have realized that you will be hacked. At some point in your in your life, uh, as a company or as an individual, you will be exposed to the, the negative effects of an attack. And that realization is fairly recent. We used to believe that the perimeter was all, well, we moved away from that. Uh, we now say, well, let's try to protect the data, but it goes much further. It's about organizational response and it's segmentation of your risk so that when something happens, like, of course, the target is a great example, uh, they, they could have been hacked, but they should never have had access to that many credit card details. Let me go back to what you were saying before about it being a game. Is that a good way of looking for it? Is that a good way of motivating employees, uh, the, the technical people and non-technical people? Um, so, uh, it's simply, the, uh, the dynamic, it's a race where one overtakes the other and it, it kind of hints at the creativity, um, and the, the brain power that's behind it on both sides. It's in the defense side on, on how you can be creative in, in making it more difficult to be, be attacked. And for the attackers, it's the creativity in, in how they always find the one extra little hole that everybody forgot or the one way to hack it. Uh, we've done a conference uh, in the Netherlands where um, we actually run contests for social engineering. And it's just amazing how creative people become when uh, when you're challenged to socially engineer a company. And all that was, of course, nicely contained and, and very secure. But it showed, for example, how easy it is to... Uh, open lockers in a station that if you if you want to open a locker in a station is really not difficult it's like a two-minute conversation with the guy behind the desk and that's i think the reality for for lots of things if you if you're bold and you have creativity you can get very far and that and that is very much a game dimension and that's what in the book we also say that's the type of spirit and and energy and and culture you want inside your own organization. Uh, you really want to have people who are very free to think outside the box, uh, that really have a passion to find that thing, rather than the more, I would say, uh, policy police type people who say, oh, well, I've checked all the boxes, so I must be fine. 
you need these people too, but I, I think the creative people are the ones that are really going to make a difference. Okay, so uh, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, you know, there's this shortage of IT security experts, and obviously it'll take a time to train people to, to do that. Are organizations maybe looking at the wrong places trying to find people to train? Uh, should they look for a certain creative types and then develop programs to get these people on board as helping uh, defend against uh, these bad guys? I, I think you can train a wide range of people to uh, become uh, relevant and valuable in the security space. I'm not sure we're looking in the wrong places. I think we're looking in many places uh, to find them. So. You write in the book uh, that it's aimed to inspire and provoke new thoughts and insights. In researching and writing this book, what new thoughts and insights did you discover? The biggest, the biggest thing is this, you will be hacked, realization, um, the shift from uh, um, it being IT issue to it, to it being an organizational issue. Uh, so where security used to be kind of hidden in the IT department, it was something that the CIO was responsible for. And today, cybersecurity and cyber risk uh, should squarely be on the agenda of the, uh, the sort of the business side of the organization of risk management, business risk management. Also, your response teams have expanded way outside of IT. It's no longer just uh, how the technical guys respond to the website being hacked, but it's how the marketing department and the communications department respond. It's how the legal team responds. Um, it's how executive management responds. And that's much harder to organize, and that, and that makes it an interesting thing. I think it's very much a scramble going on to retroactively secure a lot of things that we have... Uh, in all haste and enthusiasm rolled in in the past years. In my mind, it's the, the internet as a whole has become a very mature business platform. And with that, now comes the realization that security should be ingrained in everything. One of the themes is security by design. As a concept, it has existed for a little while, um, but only now we're seeing it really applied where people in the design of new features or implementation of new functionality take design as one of the uh, very important requirements going in rather than just focusing at the functional uh, uh, on the functional level if you revise this book in a year or so what new chapters chapters do you think would be included one thing that that we hinted at a little bit but we didn't describe in depth uh, simply for timing issues is the internet of things uh, in other research we've written extensively on the internet of things and that has taken off much quicker than i personally expected and with that come a whole new slew of uh, security issues and especially privacy issues where it's it's a lot about data, data ownership, um, data privacy and, and how we as a society and how people individually and how companies basically uh, decide on their strategy for that. Okay, thanks, Eric. All right, my pleasure. That's Eric Umarin, co-author of Staying Ahead in the Cybersecurity Game, What Matters Now. And I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group.